Good morning, River Life St. Paul. It's Kong over at the Brooklyn Park campus. I am so overjoyed that I get an opportunity to connect with you, uh, get to preach to you over video. It's great that you're here with us this morning, and I'm so excited to continue our Revelation series. Today's message reminds me of my desire to find a perfect job, and I don't think I've ever found a perfect job. I don't think I've ever had a perfect job where I've liked everything about it. Now, River Life, being a River Life pastor has come pretty darn close, but there are things about it that I don't look forward to, like finances and reports. One job that I remember dreading the most was being a student driver instructor. Now, ironically, many of my students were really good drivers, but every six months or so, I get a parent who was very nervous or completely terrified to take their teen driving. So I would get the opportunity to take their student driving for the first time, and I hated those experiences. They weren't often, but I knew I always had to prepare for them because I never know when they would happen. Now, as stressful as they were, at least it was the company's car and the company's car insurance that would cover any accidents if we got into them. And thankfully, I didn't get into any. Now, this reminds me of the passage that we're going to be in today as we continue our Revelation series. There are responsibilities that we have that we might not be looking forward to, but we must prepare ourselves for them, knowing that someone's got our back. And so you ready to dive in? Let's do a re quick recap from last week. We were in Revelation chapter 5, where John saw a scroll sealed with seven seals. And this scroll had God's final plans to restore the world from all evil, but no one was able to open it. John wept because he felt hopeless. No one would get to experience God's final restoration, God's final plan, if the scroll wasn't open. And so he wept and he wept and he wept. But an elder assured John that there was someone who could open it. And then John sees Jesus appearing like a slain lamb. So Jesus takes the scroll and he, because he can open it. And that's where we're picking up today. We're going to be in chapter 6, 7, and a little bit of chapter 8. In chapter 6, the lamb opens the seven seals, initiating God's plan uh, of restoration by first bringing judgment. And we're going to fly through these seven seals. The first set of four seals are often re referred to as the four horsemen. And each seal consisted of a rider on a horse, bringing forth of God's judgment on the world. The horsemen are an Old Testament reference to Zechariah chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. The very first horseman rides a white horse holding a bow. And while some argue that's Jesus Christ who brings a conquest of peace, others say it's a false imitator of Jesus, who's often referred to as the Antichrist. Those who say it's Jesus refer to another passage in Revelation chapter 19, talking about a rider on a white horse, but the descriptions are different. The rider in Revelation 16 carries a bow, whereas the rider in Revelation 19 carries a sword. And Jesus is often associated with a sword, not so much a bow. Plus, the riders bring judgment, not peace. And so I think it's best to understand this first rider with all the other riders. You'll get to see this in a little bit. The first rider brings conquests that appears to create, to create peace, 
but instead creates destruction. The second seal is a rider on a red horse, and the rider here brings war and bloodshed. The third rider is a, is a rider on a black horse who brings famine to the world. And the famine is so bad that it costs an entire day of work to purchase just enough food for one person for that day. The fourth seal is a rider on a pale horse who brings death to 25% of the world's population by war, famine, diseases, and animals harming humans. Now, when the fifth seal opens, John sees martyrs, believers killed because of their faith. The martyrs cry out for God's justice. The martyrs are told to be patient until more believers are killed because of the faith, and they are given white robes to wear. The white robes depict their right relationship with God because of their faithfulness. Now, the fifth seal here demonstrates the desire for God's justice to be shown, for God's plan of his restoration to be fulfilled. And the martyrs are asking God to rightfully judge their persecutors, the people who have wronged them. But God tells them to wait. When the Lamb breaks the sixth seal, an earthquake and crazy astronomical disturbances occur. John describes how the sun turns black, how the moon turns red, how stars fall to the earth, and the heavens disappear like a scroll being rolled up. Little or not, literally or not, verse 15 tells us that the people will hide in caves fearful of God's judgment, and I would be fearful too. They respond by saying to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great of their wrath has come and who can withstand it they are literally literally being asked to be crushed by the rocks because they fear god's judgment they try to hide from god's judgment but they can't Lastly, and we're skipping to chapter 8, lastly, when the Lamb breaks the seventh seal, heaven is silent for half an hour. And we learned a couple weeks ago that all the time for eternity, there's been four creatures who have been worshiping God, saying, holy, 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 holy. But for half an hour, heaven is silent. And the prayers of God's people an incense from an angel go up before God. An angel then takes the container holding the incense and fills it with fire from the altar, fills it with fire from the altar and hurls it to earth, announcing God's judgment on the earth from the throne of heaven. This then ushers the seven trumpets, another set of judgments on earth that we'll talk about next week. Now, I don't know about you, but I felt frightened, uncomfortable, and anxious hearing all that will happen when the seals are broken. And while I look forward to experiencing God's complete restoration for His plan to be fulfilled, if I could be honest with you, I took a moment and I wondered, does it have to come at this cost? Is it worth it? Is it worth seeing our world being ravaged by God's judgment? And I echo from the sixth seal, the sixth seal, the people who experienced it, 
who can withstand it? Now, as catastrophic as these seven seals are, God's judgment is meant to wake the world up. The seven seals are meant to get the world's attention. The seven seals are meant to make the world realize that they need Jesus. God's judgment is upon unbelievers. So what about the believers? What happens to them? How do they withstand God's judgment? Thankfully, chapter 7 tells us. In chapter 7, John sees four angels protecting all the believers from the harm of the seven seals. Believers, numbering a total of 144,000, are given a seal on their foreheads to protect them. Now, some interpret the 144,000 literally and go as far to say that there's only going to be 144,000 who get to go to heaven. Others interpret the 144,000 as only Israelites who belong to the 12 tribes of Israel because the 12 tribes are listed in Revelation chapter 7 here. While others say 144,000 is more symbolic and represents every believer. Now, here are a couple reasons why I think it represents every believer. First, and from the very first week of this series, we know that numbers are symbolic in Revelation. So to say that a literal 144,000 can only go to heaven doesn't fit the genre of Revelation. Secondly, the stance that these 144,000 strictly represent the Israelites from the 12 tribes of Israel doesn't make much sense in my opinion because the original 12 tribes of Israel aren't even listed in Revelation chapter 7 here. You see, the original 12 tribes are Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. But in Revelation, it replaces the tribe of Dan with the tribe of Manasseh. And it's believed that Dan is excluded because Dan, the tribe of Dan, worshipped idols and turned away from God. What's also interesting is that Manasseh's dad, the, the tribe that was replaced with Dan, Manasseh's dad is Joseph, one of the original 12. And Manasseh's mom was Egyptian. So she wasn't, so, so Manasseh, he wasn't pure Israelite. Plus his mom was basically their enemy. Culturally, not being pure Israelite was looked down upon. But I think Revelation is trying to show us that God's protection isn't based on cultural privileges. And we'll get some more of this in a bit when we read on. Instead, God's protection is based on an individual's faithfulness to God. Birth order is also culturally significant. And while Genesis lists the tribes beginning with Reuben, who's the oldest, Revelation lists the tribes beginning with Judah, who's the fourth oldest. This is unique because Judah is the tribe where Jesus comes from. And so these are some reasons why I think the 144,000 symbolize all believers, that God protects all believers. Because of the faith and not cultural privileges, they are given a seal on their forehead to protect them from God's judgment. Now, this seal is a reference to the Holy Spirit based on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. 
And this is what it says. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Not only are the believers protected, but in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 7, of Revelation chapter 7, John continues to describe what he sees. This is what it says. Let me read it for us. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now believers from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language worshipped by waving palm branches. And palm branches are a symbol of victory. All of these believers from all nations, all tribes, who spoke all languages, they were also wearing white robes. And later in the passage, an elder describes to John that this large group had just come out of the great tribulation, a time of God's judgment over the world. Now, if we look back to what we learned about white robes in Revelation, these are the same white robes that the martyrs wear, and they signify, signify a believer's perseverance to proclaim God's promise even when they are being persecuted because they trust in God's protection. And so as we look on to the seven seals and what God does to protect his believers, I think we can summarize Revelation chapter 6, 7, and 8 like this today. Proclaim God's promise. Prepare for persecution. And protection is provided. Let me say that again. Proclaim God's promise. Prepare for persecution. And protection is provided. So what does this mean for us? As frightening as these seals are, I found myself fixated, focused on chapter 7, and then what it meant to be a believer of God. You see, all the believers that John saw in heaven experienced persecution because they proclaimed Jesus. All the believers in heaven cried out for God's justice. We know God wants us to proclaim his promise of Jesus to others, but often we might shy away from it. We might shy away from it because we want to tolerate what others believe. We want to support others who hold on to different creeds. We want to support them in whatever faith they hold on to. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe we shy away from it because we want others to tolerate us. Maybe we want others to support us. Maybe we want others to accept us. And when we don't feel tolerated, accepted, or supported, we become uncomfortable. But we must remember that throughout the Bible, it tells us that as believers, we are going to experience discomfort. It's something Jesus tells his disciples too. So we need to be prepared for discomfort. It's part of the process of being a believer. 
Jesus reminds his disciples that they will be rejected, that they will be hated because they first rejected and hated Jesus. Now, I know no one looks forward to being uncomfortable. And we can feel the shock when others hate us. But I think the real shock is this. The real shock comes when we realize that we are always comfortable. The real shock comes when we are always comfortable. If we don't ever experience discomfort because of our faith, I think we're missing a very important and key ingredient to our spiritual growth and development. If we're not taking risks to love others by sharing Jesus, I think we're missing out on something. And if all the believers that John saw in heaven were wearing white robes because they were persecuted, I think we should expect a level of discomfort as believers. I'm not saying that we should look forward to pain or discomfort or look forward to finding ways to get persecuted or even killed for our faith, but I believe we should expect discomfort when we talk about Christ to others. It might feel uncomfortable, but understand that when we share Christ to others and when others come to believe, they too can be protected from God's judgment and experience this comfort when we are in heaven. And so for today, for this week, I want us to find ways where you and I, you and I, that we can take a risk to love somebody and be kind to someone with the intention to share Jesus with them. Be okay feeling that discomfort, knowing that it's for your good, it's for my good, and it's for their good. And know that even though we're feeling that discomfort, God provides protection to us even when we are uncomfortable. We might not feel the full comfort in this world, but we surely will when we get to heaven. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this vision that John had in Revelation chapter 7 where he was in heaven and he saw believers who were persecuted. And they asked for your justice to be fulfilled. All of them experienced discomfort. All of them experienced persecution. And so God, this morning, would you teach us to be comfortable with discomfort? May you remind us that in being believers and followers of and disciples of Jesus Christ, that we will be rejected and hated on because the world first rejected and hated you. May we place our comfort in knowing that the Holy Spirit is the comforter and that we will get to experience this comfort in time. And so would you put on our heart and our mind someone who we can love, someone who we can share Jesus about, Lord.
in a loving and a kind way. Knowing that we might experience hostility in return. But allow us to be okay with the discomfort. Knowing that all the believers who are in heaven experience that. But will live in eternity in comfort. We pray and let this in Jesus' name. Amen.